And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome to the Athletic MBA Show. Monday through on the Athletic Podcast Network. This is Nerder She Wrote with your host, Dave Dufour. With Mo DeKeel. Are you ready to be entertained? And Seth Partnow. Welcome to the Athletic NBA Show. I'm Dave DeFore, and it's Friday, and that means it's Nerder, she wrote. Joining me as they do each and every week, Seth Partnow and Moda Kiel. Do you guys have the madness? You guys got are the Bourbon. games on. Bourbon! That was unbelievable. First what are you doing? First day of the tournament. First day of the tournament. We got a game winner. Virginia's out. Oh, it's amazing. Poor John Hollinger, who was at the game. More proof. Tough break for a nice kid. <laughs> this is just my yearly reminder. Well, I guess it's now a couple times a year because it's play-in, but basketball is at its best in single elimination tournament format. It's fantastic. There's a reason. Like, the chaos is just – it's amazing. It adds to the experience. So, uh, are you guys calm, watching? Calm down Do you have about the games the on right now? Do not. Are they get, are you, so, you're not working and watching games like everyone else in America? Uh, I know I'm actually, I've actually been working today. <laughs> yeah. But instead, that's, of, that's instead of doing both, but after we get done here, we're probably switching over to working. Uh, yeah, I, I think, um, once we finish up the pod, I'm going to hang out with a cold beverage and watch some games. So looking forward to that this afternoon, guys. Uh, I thought this would, a, would be a good time to talk a little bit about scouting the drafts coming up, the lottery's coming up and we know all about, Victor Wimanyama, and we know about Scoot Henderson, you know, these guys playing in the G League. But tournament time seems to be one of the most chaotic times for scouts, for front offices, and for draft boards. So I kind of want to talk a little bit to you guys because you've been inside these rooms during this time of year. What the hell is it like as an NBA team looking at draft prospects playing in the tournament. I mean, I know that there are definitely guys that go on these runs. They get on a heater in the tournament and the draft stock goes through the roof. Kemba Walker was probably one of those guys, right? One of the most memorable postseason runs in college basketball history for one guy. I think Kemba's was still pretty high up. He was a good player already. He was high up on boards. It just kind of helped with that. I don't know about Seth's experience with it, but just in my run, it was actually busier during the conference tournaments. A lot of our scouts would be out at conference tournaments. Here's the thing about the NCAA tournament for scouts. They don't get the great seats that they do for games during the season, even the conference tournament. And and that's probably a good thing because you want those seats to go to the fans. Like That's, I think, part of it, too, is the NCAA tournament does a good job with that stuff. So a lot of our scouts stayed home. And you know, with the Clippers, we just basically turned the war room into – NCAA Central and and had every game on TV and everybody 
you know, the, the front office guys would all pile in and, and, and watch from there. To Mo's point about the conference tournaments, I got to go scout conference tournaments. That's how, how spread out we were. They've, they of course sent me to the Ivy league tournament, it's, you know, on brand. Um, <laughs> but my thought is, is how the NCAA tournament is from a scouting perspective. Are you an org with a good scouting process or a bad scouting process? You have a good scouting process. You almost don't care about the tournament. Maybe there's like, you know, a Gordon Hayward or someone like that who's, who's at like a, like a smaller school and isn't getting the game to game level of competition. And maybe you try to glean something from that. But for the most part, like you're only going to, you're only going to trick yourself by a guy having a big run and, and kind of, you know, Oh, he's a winner. Like, you know, I, I, you know, the, the, the most, the recent example of it is most is like Jalen Suggs banks in a half court shot. And all of a sudden he has this winning gene that, that should shoot him up draft boards. So it's like, okay. Um, like you're, you're, we're indexing on the wrong things. If that affects anything at all in the draft process. So I think if you, if you know what you're doing, you're kind of done and you're just kind of watching cause it's fun. If you're and- scrambling, then you're paying a lot of attention and that's how you fool yourself because you're getting just a snapshot of a guy. And I would say like, there are certain guys that have more at stake. I'm talking about in the players regard. Uh, let's put it this way. Brandon Miller gets knocked out early in the first round. If Bama were to lose um, second round and not, or, or, or early in the sweet 16, he's still going top three. Like it's not, you know, um, uh, off court stuff aside. The uh, but in terms of the on the court basketball stuff, it's not going to change anything, you know, for him. Whereas there are other guys, Jalen Suggs is a great example. Gordon Hayward, were a deep run where they have really impressive moments, and especially guys that are playing in mid majors that start playing against tougher competition. I think it helps a little bit in that end. But I think ultimately, when it comes to drafting, and we'll talk more about this in the draft, this is all part of a puzzle. It's a small piece to the puzzle. That's really kind of the deal, and you. You can kind of overrate it the way Seth talked about it, where you get too hyped on a guy because he had this unbelievable run, and now you've drafted a player where you're like, I'm not sure he can play. Well, let me ask you guys this, because I I don't think that the top of the draft is going to change at all, really, from this. Number one, a lot of the I mean, a lot of the top five, six, seven guys aren't even in the tournament. Right. They're not playing NCAA basketball, which is in and of itself a unique situation. And very new and probably what the future is looking like. But what about fringe guys? Guys who were back half of the second round, you know, can they play themselves up into the first round? Could a guy who's maybe undrafted play himself into the back half of the second round? Or how often do guys who might be second round picks play themselves into being undrafted free agents because a team says, hey, don't go to the combine don't don't go to any of these other showcase events. Don't work out for anybody. And we got a contract waiting for you. We'll have you signed up before summer league. We'll have you ready for Vegas. How often does that happen? Uh, anytime that happens, I think that that's an indictment of the process. I, I agree. That. Yeah. That like <laughs> if, 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 if you have to wait to the tournament, to, Oh, well, look at this guy. Where, where have you been? Right. At, you know, there's a lot of scout, and, and there are scouting departments like that, unfortunately. Right. But there, there is, there is some of that. And it, again, if you're, it sets said it perfectly. If you're cramming now, yeah, you've, you've been late 
to the party. And I think you're, you're really in trouble and have a higher pr- ability to be fooled. Cause this isn't something like, you know, the tournament's also wonky. Like just, just in that <laughs> yeah. sense, it's, it's, it, weird things happen throughout these games and you kind of just go, it's hard to say to really come away with massive draft implications, draft stock implications off of that. It's one of the most watched sporting events on the planet every year. And you never know how guys are going to respond to that when they're out there. And it, I mean, and, you know, this is any big kind of tournament like this, right? Like the world cup is like this, but the Virginia game, I mean, the end of that Virginia game was one of the craziest finishes I've seen where, you know, the guy gets trapped and he's probably been trapped like that a million times playing basketball. And it just so happened <laughs> that this time was the first round of the NCAA tournament. And he throws the worst they, pass he's probably thrown in his life. They'd have been better off if he just threw it out of bounds. <laughs> it's true. Sorry, or kind of jump sorry. ball or anything you're else. Me, you're giving me flashbacks to, to one, of my, one of my high school coaches. You're going to throw that pass, throw it in the stands. At least we get back on defense. <laughs> right. And so, yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, I just like Guys do play themselves up. And... You know, you get the, well, Steph Curry, he went on this run, that goes to show, but for every Steph Curry, there's a Johnny Flynn. And I had John, Johnny Flynn was the biggest tournament, not the, the NCAA tournament, but it's still kind of the same, the same dynamic. So there's, you know, sometimes guys work out, sometimes they don't, but the tournament isn't the thing, isn't the thing that's going to tell you why. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. A little bit of breaking news from ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski. Lonzo Ball is going to have another knee surgery. This will be the third surgery on his left knee in the last 14 months. He hadn't played since January of last season. And this is a bummer. This is, I mean, this knee situation for Lonzo has been, uh, I mean, a topic of conversation for us since it happened, basically, because we felt like he was such an important piece of that team. And now this is a another just completely lost season and, Probably going to start eating into next year when you start thinking about rehab. Oh, I I think it's I think I, it's the whole year. I think it's uh, it, it, yeah. I mean, I think this is going to be a type of surgery. I'm very terrified for Lonzo's career at this point. Um, I, I think we the baseline assumption it has to be this done. Yeah, like if if he gets back on the court in the NBA court ever. I will be. I I think I will be pleasantly surprised at this point. Man, yeah. I mean, it's it's it absolutely sucks. He's he was unbelievable. He had really kind of found a, a a great role, you know, as a player. Worked on his shot in New Orleans. Was you know him and Caruso in Chicago defensively last season were really unbelievable. 
and now you're just at the point where it's like, I, I, I mean, shit, man, like there's not really much you can say. It's just depressing in that sense, but it also goes to sh- tell people that like, again, you're, the hallway is never as long as you think it is, you know? And, and, and that goes in terms of the length of these guys' career and things like that. So, um, this, this, this news just absolutely blows. I think this is also a useful, and I'm not saying that, that this is like any sort of like bad decision overuse injury, but I think this is useful context to, to carry along on alongside sort of the load management risk resting players holding players out with injury um we you don't need that many examples of guys just being done brandon roy playing in a playoff series where he probably shouldn't have um that that to, that illustrates kind of why you can't totally you can't really blame teams for wanting to be cautious you can't frankly want to blame players for wanting to be cautious with this kind of stuff because it can be over fast if things go wrong. And, and I don't think we, in the discussion of that, we take that into account nearly as much as we should in that a sort of one game versus you play the wrong one more game and your career is never the same or possibly even just over. I also think fans have a tendency to underestimate injury severity. We've gotten so used to a guy tearing his ACL and it's no longer that big of a deal. You know, they get it repaired, they come back. And basketball, you see more of a drop off, but football, there are guys tearing their ACL and they're they're back on the field before the season's over. So I mean, we've seen this kind of crazy turnaround. So medical science has kind of fooled us a little bit into thinking that situations like like the one Lonzo's dealing with just doesn't happen anymore. You know, we bring up all the old guys that ran their knees down. But the truth is there's probably more guys now than, than we even think about that aren't in the league due to health issues. It's just that maybe they're fringe guys, you know, the, the bigger stars, the bigger names get a little bit more time to hang on um, a little bit, but yeah, I, I mean, I, not to turn this away from a guy's career into what the team does, but you know, wh- where do the bulls go from here? Well, where the Bulls go from here is they've been sinking for quite a while at this point. Like, I feel like they've, uh, um, I think last year was more the fluke. I think this is the situation. I think they end up just having to go into a total rebuild, you know, and I think they have to look to try to find a sign and trade with Vooch. Can't just let him walk for nothing. I think they might want to look to spin off Zach Levine and, and DeMar DeRozan. I mean, right now the, the future is very bleak for them. I, just watching the way they play now, it's they're an afterthought, man. Like that's the honest truth of it is like, we really don't see much about them. Don't hear much about them. It's it's their relevancy is gone at this point. And I think they just need to jump in and start, uh, you know, looking to, to, to reload here. And, and, and nobody likes to say the, you know, tear it down and rebuild deal, but this is where they're at. One of the two more depressing teams, two most depressing team situations in the league alongside somewhat ironically Charlotte, which in part of why Charlotte's is depressing is, you know, we're getting the, we're at the point where we have like, you know, continuing health concerns over the LaMelo ball. Yeah. And I mean, I guess if they go into a full teardown, Zach Levine is probably the, the most coveted piece that they've got. I'm assuming 
that would be on the table. Although it just seems like, I don't know. I can they can they do a full teardown? They're they're not that. On paper, they're not that bad of a team, but I guess they're not good enough to to double down on what they've been doing. So maybe this is the precursor to a summertime teardown for the Bulls. I mean, it just they're eleventh right now in the standings as of Thursday when we're bad. recording. You know, it's not even like a. Uh, um, it's not like they're they're tearing down a, a a six seed playoff team. You know, it's a it's an older roster. Demar Derozan's not getting younger. You know, Booch is a free agent, and and to be honest, he wasn't really good for them this season. Like there's there's a lot of that stuff. They were kicking the tires on whether they should blow it up this trade deadline and and whether there was rumors they were going to trade Zach Levine, you know, and I think that's something that I think we're going to see in the offseason. And if his contract was a little smaller, he probably would have been on another team. If you're as obsessed with basketball as I am, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Hey guys, this is JJ Redick. Twice a week, I'm cooking up something special for basketball junkies on my podcast, The Old Man and the Three. I bring on guests in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, like Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, or Paulo Bencaro on his shooting workouts with Kevin Durant, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron when they were teammates in Miami. But it's not just about the player interviews. Every Monday, I break down the top three things happening around the NBA without the outlandish takes. Often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler, we dive deep into topics like rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? The Old Man and the Three is the only companion podcast you'll need during the playoffs this year. Be sure to listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Well, from teams that, uh, or a team at least, that may be blowing it up to teams that have been tanking all year, we wanted to take a look at the younger teams. We've spent a lot of time focused on the contenders for a lot of this season. I mean, this has been a a historically competitive NBA season, so rightfully, we've been looking at the front runners, and um, I think it's worth taking a look at, at some of these younger teams, guys, and in particular, the way that they've been finishing out the season as we come down the stretch, you know, I think every team is down to about 13 games or so or less. Um, I want to start with the San Antonio Spurs because they've just been really, really awful. And then they win some of these games, right? They started out the season so competitive. Then their tank improved. And then they beat the Denver Nuggets the other night. So I want to ask you guys, is this just tanking to perfection? Or have they actually been developing these players all season and we're kind of seeing the fruits of some of that labor? I think they've, you really, they, since they've been out of the spotlight, you forget they've kind of gone through some stuff this year. They've had a fair bit of injuries to some of their more important players. Uh, the Josh Primo situation early in the year, I think I had to take some wins out of the sale just because that's such a, just so weird, you know, from a team side, obviously, like, give, uh, assuming the allegations 
terrible situation, but just from a guy was in my in the next locker and now he's gone. What happened? Um, and so I actually talked to some 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 people with the Spurs like at Sloan, and they were you know about the morale around the team, and and like the, the silver lining was that um, they they weren't having to try to tank because they were having these guys out all the time, like Kevin Patel at the same time and, and, and things like that. So they sort of are playing, we're playing the young guys because everyone else was hurt, essentially. Um, so maybe not as much by design as just sort of by happenstance. Now maybe they're getting a little healthier and it It's funny when Devin better. Vassell's the old guy. Right. Or <laughs> they're playing the young guys because Devin Vassell's hurt. Um, no, you know, the, the thing about them, and we should say, before uh, the game Friday, they're four and four in their last eight. Like that's actually probably been their best stretch in 2023 with, with how they've been playing with everything. And I think the truth about this team when they're fully healthy is they're a team that they're just a star away from being a really fun young team. <coughs> they are a Webb Yama, Scoot Henderson type of team where you start going, like, this can be a very exciting squad. They have all the pieces. They just need that drink stir and things like that. You know, I think Jeremy Sohan's a good piece for them. I think his willingness to shoot free throws one-handed and everything, I think, goes a long way in just his development and stuff. I like what they have. I, I think, here's the thing, Dave, as I ramble on, just it's so important right now for all these young teams, every team we're going to talk about, how you end this season. I don't give a shit about the tanking aspect of it and and whatnot at this point. How you end this season kind of sets up next season and your approach to a degree, obviously, unless you're going to make massive moves. I think this is an important time for all these teams and organizations as they look forward to next year and what, what type of team it is. It's culture building time for them. And I think that's really important. And I think San Antonio has kind of what they want. I think now it's just... Try, Play hard here. Finish this out competitively. Yeah, I think that's. I think that's it. That, that's a good point. When you say talk about end the season, we're not talking about well, we're going to try to go eight and two in our last ten games. It's we're going to. We're, you know, we've we've talked about quality reps so much, and so many times you see not very frequently you see a team kind of that's been that just play out the string, and and you know guys are gunning for their numbers, and you know random crazy lineups and it's just you're, you're playing the fakest of fake games essentially and not doing that basically like we've got stuff we can work on let's work on our stuff and if we can be competitive we can play close games we can get competition actual competition not just being out there running around like let's make use of that time you know you only have so much time you have to develop players this is an important time to do that but to do that it has to be Direct it has to be intense, has to be intentional. And that, that can be hard in this situation, but it's important to do it. Yeah, and I would say, sorry, Dave, again, just mm-hmm. to kind of keep jumping in on this. Look at some of the teams in the past that have had this, young teams. You know, Phoenix going 8-0 and in the bubble. Obviously made a big trade for Chris Paul the following year. But look at the steps Memphis has taken across the way uh, on their road throughout the seasons, you know, like they've climbed the ladder a bit. And I think that's an important aspect of it. So that's why that's, that's actually why this is the perfect time to talk about them. Cause we're not going to talk about them again until the draft. Lottery. Right. Yeah. And side note, this is 
It's also why I like Atlanta getting Quinn Snyder in there now as opposed to this summer. Gives him time with these guys. I mean, they're going to they're gonna get a head start on training camp. I think he even said that in, in one of his post games or something like that. Um, they're getting a head start on training camp. And not to mention a head start on figuring out what they're going to do with Trey Young. But I want to kick it to the young teams. Stay there. Another team that's closing things out much better than they've been all season. And we have hammered this team all year. The Houston Rockets, they've won two straight. They won four of their last seven. Playing a little bit of playoff spoiler right now, which I actually, I like that uh, quite a bit for a young team. You know, I think about just inspiring them to play competitive games and these games actually matter. They might not matter for them, but they matter for the, the season. They matter for the league. And getting these guys up for these sorts of games is big. Now, they had a little help because Anthony Davis didn't play for the Lakers, which that's a whole nother conversation. Maybe for if they don't make the playoffs, we'll, we'll talk about that. But I thought that the Rockets, they've shown up more often in these games down the stretch. And Mo, you and I have been, in particular, really hard on them. Uh, they've, the lack of organization, just lack of effort at times on both ends. And I think that they've been better for the last 10 to 12, 15 games or so. Yeah, I think they've kind of sort of understand here a little bit. They're the team I think that probably <laughs> this part's going to suck. Uh, they're the team that I think is going to benefit the least from this stretch because I think they're going to make massive moves. I think they're going to, and, and, and maybe not good ones, but I think, you know, believe the rumors out there about James Harden and whatnot. And, and you know, they're trying to go out of their way to tank for Vic. And I think that's the point where they're at. But they had two nice wins. I don't care that Anthony Davis didn't play for the Lakers that night, which is also very questionable for the Lakers in that regard, considering what they're chasing for. But but also beat Boston the night before. Like that's those are quality wins right there. And I think you're watching them and you're hoping that they're beginning to get it. More structure, more fluidity. You know, I love Shingoon, so I'm always just run the offense through Shingoon type of stuff. But I think this is hopefully going to be the start for them to 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 figure some things out if they're not going to make crazy ass moves in the offseason. Big thing is is I'm I'm not a big fan of like necessarily reading into like late season numbers on uh, on sort of the, these teams, but just from a note like visibly seems to know what he's doing, knows where his shots going to come, knows how to get his shots uh, in better spots slowing down a little bit. Jabari Smith has, has been, you know, it's been a very nice stretch for him, whether it continues, uh, but for as rough as the early part of the season was, and I think that's part of the reason why we hammered him so much is he was a player who probably his game probably requires some structure around it to really function well. Um, he's sort of starting to figure out how to operate on the NBA floor. And, you know, for them long term, that's obviously a pretty big deal. And just if he can get, you know, the last the last 25 games of the season, he can play kind of real basketball. That's just that that's just a boon for them. How about Detroit? The James Wiseman project has been fully just unleashed on the world. I actually think Wiseman has been fine up there. Um I don't like Detroit it. Detroit doesn't feel like they have much of a plan, right? Like, I just, it's a lot of Killian Hayes. 
mean, some of that is is you know injuries. Yeah, yes, Cade is of out. course they don't have Cade Cunningham. But yeah. but, but um, the Wiseman thing, I kind of hate it because I sort of feel like Jalen Dern has shown enough that oh that 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 you know doing the 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 guy you know the guy not looking at his girlfriend as the other girl walks by meme with Wiseman, the similar player, similar play, like a guy who's sort of shown his limitations already and you're spending more kind of kind of of your playing time of your reps capital on that than the guy who's younger and probably has more upside at this point because he hasn't because he hasn't checked the filled in those those unknown boxes negatively i i don't like that as a as a as, a, as chasing that shiny object um I, and so i think that kind of goes to your 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 you're not having a plan it's just like well the well, shit! This is a guy who was who we liked in the scouting process. Let's let's run him out there and see what happens. Yeah, it's not just so much that I like what we're seeing from Jaden Ivy. I think more as a playmaker, his his shooting numbers are down post All Star break. But I think you know post All Star break, his assist numbers are up. He's averaging around seven assists right now. Like I like him trying to get the reps as a playmaker in this opportunity and get more more touches there and try to create shots for other guys and things like that. Cause that's really what's going to help them when they get, listen, this team's going to suck cause they didn't have Cade for most of the year and things like that. And I, I, you know, the, I feel you Seth on the, <coughs> the Duran versus Wiseman thing. I'm also just like, eh, you know, get as much young talent and then you'll figure <laughs> it out as you go. You know what I mean? Like, let's just be honest. Right. They get the number one pick. They're getting Victor Webb and Yama. Both of those guys are gone. Right. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> it's not a, uh, a, a instance in that, in that place, you know, where it's just, all right, let's just see, take a flyer. It didn't cost them much to really get him or anything like that. And I think for me, what I want to see is my eyes are more on Ivy and how will he continue to kind of develop here down the stretch of these last few games. I don't expect them to win games. I want them to just be competitive and I want to see him continue to be a playmaker. And it'd be nice if he can make a few more shots. But I like yeah. that this is the opportunity for him right now. Yeah. Um, the Orlando Magic, since the 1st of February, guys, it's about 18 games. They have a better net rating than the Pelicans, the Heat, the Pacers, the Jazz, the Nets, the Blazers, and, and then all of the bad teams that are, that are real bad. 20th in net rating, which, by the way, not good, but better than some teams that are going to be in the playoffs. Since February 1st, since the first of the year, really, they've been okay. Like, this is like a, a bad middle-of-the-road team, which is a win for a team this young. I mean, they've got Paolo Baker. They're going to have the rookie of the year, and they're okay. That feels like a success. Yeah, I, I'm i all in. I, lo- I, I, I like the way they're playing. I've been in on them from the beginning. The Wagner, Franz Wagner and, and Paolo Benchero kind of uh, – uh, cop buddy movie is uh gonna be a fun one um i i like what they have going with that stuff i like what jamal mosley's done as a coach for this team i think he's done a great job kind of just keeping the guys engaged with everything that they have and again this is one of those teams i really want to see finish strong i really want i was hoping they'd make a run for the play and it seems like that's far-fetched but i wanted them to chase it and i think they they tried they just had some losses that go along the way I want them to start learning how to win games down the stretch. And I think this is the opportunity right now for them with where they're at. Cause I think they're not that far, man. They're really not. I think a competent point guard. I like the pieces they have around them. I would have loved to have seen if, if 
part that sucks, Jonathan Isaacs didn't get hurt again. That would have been a very interesting uh, piece for them to see how that goes forward. But like, this is one of those young teams to keep an eye on that we're going to be talking a crap ton about next year in the, in the offseason. We're like, oh, watch for them. They're going to be the it team. The one note of caution, and I don't want to read too much into this because, you know, uh, rookie wall, the amount of usage probably starting to show up on scouting reports more, is is Bankera's efficiency has really tailed off as the season has gone along. And and I think that, as much as of anything, has contributed to them. You know, they're they're 8-10 and 10 over that stretch we talked about. And I think with a, with a little bit better play in, in, in close games, probably could have been more like 12-6 and six or something. If, if if that's the case, then they're right there in the playoffs. And it's like they've put themselves they like we were hoping they would put themselves in a position to challenge for the play in. And they haven't done that, but they've put themselves in the position to put themselves in the position and just haven't been able to close out games. So yeah, as 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 Mo said, like you you, you like the, the foundations they have there and and you know they you know, I, I I kind of took shots at Jalen Suggs earlier, but like they've they've kind of, they're kind of figuring out like, you know, what Jalen Suggs is going to be. Okay, he's not going to be the the guy you thought he was going to be when you used the top five pick on him, uh, but is he turn? He's kind of turning into like a Caruso type of player. He's not that good defensively yet, but he's showing some things. And if you know, okay, he becomes a very useful role player. Great, we know what that is. We know he's not the point guard, so we need to go get a point guard. But at least we know this is this is going to be a useful rotation guy, assuming we can like make the second contract money work right for for what that level of player is. I could see them they they might be fighting for the play in next year, like seven or eight seed next year. If you know if a little bit of growth internally, they get a a good point guard. Maybe they get a good young guy in the draft. They've got so much talent. And I just I really like what they have going and what they're building. Uh, and finally guys, what has to be considered the best young team in the league. And it really wasn't that long of a tank. Oklahoma city thunder shocked the world. Shea Gilgis Alexander is just, he's incredible. Didn't shock me. Didn't shock me. <laughs> I was telling y'all last year, Play the fucking guy. I was telling you last year, give him the minutes he deserves. I d- didn't shock me, Dave. Did not shock me. So we we just tossed out that that right? everything Mo just said is correct, and we'll give him his yes. job, Mo. We'll pat Mo on the head. And no, I'm kidding. No, no, uh, not pat me on the head. I'm yeah, kicking both of your asses. I crushed y'all on the Elam ending, and I'm beating you on this one. Go I ahead. Mean, oh boy, he's uh, good. So. So, um, I think if OKC was in a different location on the map, we'd be starting to have that. Well, I know we've given the award to Paolo Vancaro, but uh, Jalen Williams, Jaylen rookie Williams of the year, good man. Oh my god! I, like, I know. Well, first of all, both Jalen Williams are good. Yes, but which is but the, a problem. Yeah, but the but the the Santa Clara Jalen, I, I get it's J Dub. J Dub. It's J Dub. Is like that. Is, like. Guard player, guard Jalen Williams is J Dub. Big yeah. Jalen Williams is J Will. Well, they're the same size though. So, but the the but the three player combo of with the size and playmaking and ball handling ability of of Williams and Josh Giddy, who's who's sneakily kind of I think developed. Um, 
Mo, you and I were talking about this where he's a guy who doesn't both him and Shay actually are kind of guys who don't look like they make a move, but they're just kind of by guys. And you combine that with he's a he's a high level passer. Like that is a that is a starting point that you are envious of to put talent around. I am I am he's a dying breed. He's a connector that we're we're we're, we're kind of losing these guys here a little bit that can just absolutely play make in the way that he's doing. Yeah, his shot needs work with all that. So's a lot of guys. But I think he has an absolute skill that puts him on the floor that makes him a weapon. And I think it's that passing in the way that he does things. And, you know, it was a while ago, but Seth, do you remember that bounce pass from the, the sideline out of bounds in the, the deep corner a long time ago? Like, you were the one that was talking about it. Like, it was a beautiful bounce pass um, and timed perfectly. Uh, I can't remember who, otherwise we'll pull the clip. But the... What I love about OKC is that they've they are actually trying to make the play in this year, and I think you know it's it, it goes a long way for that. And I think the important thing is they're playing games that matter in March and April, you know, and that's that's the stuff we're talking about games that matter. And and for them to be in that that mix right now, I mean, they've won three in a row. They're at the ninth seed right now as we're talking. You know, it's it's going to be interesting. They need to maintain that. And I want to see them start taking the progression of, of winning. And I'm going to take a quick shot because Seth, you know, do you think if maybe they were in Seattle, your boy Jalen would uh, uh, have some uh, rookie of the year odds? I mean, you know, I'm as a son of the Pacific Northwest and, and someone who wore a Sonics sweatshirt the whole time at Sloan, uh, you kind of know what I think about that. Um, I want to add one more thing about why uh, we should be very big on their future. Um, a lot of times these these young teams they come up and then maybe they reach the point where they kind of hit a ceiling where they've had a coach that can only get them so far. I'm not like ready to go all the way that, but I think they you have to be when you talk about the good young coaches in the game. Do you start anywhere but Oklahoma City for who's the who is the most promising young coach in the game right now? You know, I, this is a hard conversation to have. Uh, number one, obviously, coaching influence, I think, is it's hard to judge. But there are so many good, like, first, second, third-year coaches in the league right now. Like, I mean, Will Hardy is on your list, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we just talked about Jamal Mosley. Uh, uh, Mark Dagnalt, obviously. Taylor Jenkins. Is good. I mean, now he's been there for a little bit longer, but... I think that they're just we're at the point where there aren't many bad coaches, but Mark Dagnall might be an excellent coach. Like he might be a guy who we're considering a top five guy here before too long. So here's the, here's the thing is, uh, and Mo, you and I have talked about this. Uh, so some other people have hit this on on on, tw- on Twitter a lot. Is Oklahoma City might be starting to show showcase the bones of what is the next defensive style revolution in the NBA. And, you know, we've talked all year about the offensive explosion and will defenses catch up like Oklahoma city is the team that is, that is bucking the trend. Mo, you know, you've talked about this a ton of defenses being too predictable. They're being, you run a simple action. You know how the, you, you know, you press the button, you get the prize kind of with how the rotations are going to work. Oklahoma city, you know, they, they, they guard early and switch late. And, you know, as a, and, and just finding that 
as as a thing to counteract how modern offenses are playing. Like that's the thing that has me kind of excited about where they might go. And I mean, they get Chet next year. Yeah, I mean, they get the, they get whatever rookie they draft this year and get Chet Holmgren back. And I think that goes a long way. And we'll see how Chet kind of pans out as an NBA player in all of those things. And, and you know, I know expectations go up and things like that. But this is a team that's going to have high expectations for next year. And that's the next challenge. Like, they're going to graduate out of this kind of conversation and go into the next conversation where everybody's going to be like, we expect things from you now. And a lot of teams buckle under that. A lot of young teams kind of fall apart after that. And this is going to be an important stretch for them. This, The end of this season, hopefully the play-in tournament, maybe even the playoffs, and, and, and how they finish there and how they begin next season. This is an important, I don't know how many months that is. Let's just assume six. Uh, six-month stretch for them and, and go from there to, to see how it builds for them. But you got to like what you're seeing from them. This is going to be an exciting team. And I told you all I mean- last year. It's a perfect time, though, for them to be on their way up. When you consider how many teams are going to be on their way down, how many, you know, there's a changing of the guard that's going to be happening over the next, you know, three years, I I would say. I mean, LeBron is already arguably not a, you know, top tier player anymore. I mean, the injuries have played a a large role in that because when he's out there, he's certainly looked pretty close, amazingly. But, you know, how long? How much longer? And I know he just had a ridiculous game last night. But how much longer is Steph Curry? Steph Curry. You know, I mean, this is it, it's already right. The Clippers are kind of right. you know this is maybe their last chance. Phoenix. Chris Paul. You know, th- he's probably not going to be there next year. What does that look like with a 36 year old Kevin Durant or or however is he 35 next year? Uh, adding a year to his age. But um, I, I think that if you're Oklahoma City. I don't I don't know how they pull it off, but they are in position to go out and take a swing this summer and maybe be really good next year. I don't they know have who th- the person is. I don't know who the player is, but they have the pieces. They I mean they could really make something happen. It'll never happen, but you know, there's been that little bit of of of, of whisper about uh Joel Embiid not being wild about being in Philadelphia. It'll never happen. But, man, drop him on that team. Let's go. I'll just just say Oklahoma City is a beautiful little town. It's a beautiful little town. I I like it quite a bit. I don't know if it's a Joel Embiid sort of town. I know it's not a Mo Dekeel type town. Oh, that's a shame. (laughs) It's a really nice place. It's super walkable. I love the little green space downtown. But, uh... Now we're getting into weeds. It seems like a pretty good place to wrap up. For Seth Partnow and Moda Kiel, I'm Dave DeFore, and this has been Nerder. She wrote on the Athletic NBA show. I was right! <laughs> <laughs>
As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.